Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. It's Deb Hutton, your guest host for this week and uh, and next, actually. Uh, I am, as always, thrilled to be joined by some of our smart speakers this afternoon. It's Garatan Singh, VP at Crestview Strategy, community advocate and lawyer, and Sarjit Kaur, who is co-founder of KPW Communication. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. We're going to jump right into it. We've been talking about this since the decision came down this morning. And of course, that is the decision uh, ruled by a judge that the federal government did not meet the test, uh, which is embedded in the Emergencies Act legislation to actually use the powers that are contained in the Emergencies Act back in early 2022 to address the convoy protest in Ottawa. The Attorney General federally has indicated that the government will appeal. Just get your general reactions and also your take on what the political fallout will the, of this will be. I'm going to start with you, Gratton Singh. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I, I when I think about this time and I think with the, you know, the convoy, the impact that it had on the people of not just Ottawa and the citizens who had to face the blaring horns 24 hours a day and, you know, being accosted on the streets, all the terrible, uh, you know, degradation that happened to national monuments, what happened at Coots and the, and the armed area there. I always think that it should never have come to this. Like when, when they came to Ottawa, we know that like the Ottawa police and this is has since come out further in reviews that they had not acted to the degree that they needed to to prevent uh, them from settling in and setting up these camps. And we saw later on when similar protests happened in Toronto, a far more effective way of ensuring that people had the right to protest, but didn't have the right to, you know, camp in and 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 make neighborhoods into absolute nightmares. So I, I always refer back to that, that, you know, I, I wish it never had to have come to that level and that the love, you know, the police had taken the adequate steps initially to protect those kind of neighborhoods. And given that they didn't, um, and we have this decision, would you support the government's decision to appeal it? This is the government's right. This is our judicial process, right? The judicial process is within it allows for a check and balance in which if there's a, at a lower court, a ruling that is not in, in a party's favor, they have a right to pursue it and, and, and go up to the Supreme Court. And often, actually, that rigorous judicial process is what results in really strong, uh, uh, you know, jurisprudence, a really strong precedent set of what does it mean uh, with respect to, you know, this now the emergency powers or whatever area of law that you're looking at. So I think that's within the government's purview to do so. And if that's their decision, then they should do so. Sergeant Kaur, again, your general reactions to the, the decision and the government's uh, subsequent decision to appeal and also what you see as sort of the political dynamics of this playing out when when the parliament resumes later um I guess, next month. Yeah, I think the justice, you know, he made a very good point that he gave the ruling with the benefit of hindsight. And they look at everything through a legal lens only, not necessarily. And he said that, you know, we weren't there at cabinet making the decisions that they had to make at that time. So they look at it through a legal lens. Through that lens, of course, it's best to maintain our, our charter rights and freedoms to protest and not have those limited. But the key thing, and Garutan has hit on it as well, is when the other police services that did have the jurisdiction did not act, then what was left as a practical tool to actually have this situation addressed? And so, again, I think it's worth looking at where those failures were with the local police services, that if this ever happens again, and the judges are telling us that we can't use to invoke the Emergencies Act, how do we prevent that so that 
it is managed. Secondly, politically, I don't believe it will have that much fallout. The people who support the convoy or who are in the convoy, they are already um, very much aligned with, you know, certain politics. And I don't think that the other folks who had to live with this and appreciated the situation eventually being addressed or are going to change their mind about the fact that they felt that the government, the federal government, finally stepped in and took action. But um, I do think that overall the message is good that people have a right to protest, especially now when you see so many people protesting about the situation in Palestine. But, you know, the big thing that sticks out in my mind is the failure of the other police services to do their job, which forced the federal government, frankly, to act. And uh, and here we are. And I think if their appeal is very much about the practicalities of not having other tools and needing to act, which is their responsibility, they could be successful at the Supreme Court level. Yeah, and just, just I just want to make a quick point because the decision was not about the protesters' right to protest. It was about whether the government in that specific situation met the the test, the threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act, which, as we've just discussed, takes away certain citizens' uh, rights and gives the government quite a bit of authority. So it's it's not about the protest. Uh, the ability to protest, the uh, allowability of protesting, it is about this situation and whether the government should have invoked the act given what they were facing. Because of your point, Sergeant Cora, I think, personally, uh, given the failure of of the Ottawa police forces. I, I'm going to move on to another topic that uh, was discussed today at the federal cabinet retreat in Montreal. And that is an announcement by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that he is putting together Team Canada Engagement Strategy. This is going to be a co-led effort by our um, industry minister, Francois-Philippe Champagne, and international trade Minister Mary Ng, along with the United States ambassador, the Canadian ambassador to the United States, Kirsten Hillman. Um, the prime minister, I'm actually going to play one a clip, Mike, of the prime minister. Of course, this relates to the fact that we have an election year in uh, the United States later this year and that it, by all accounts, today looks as though Trump may be the Republican nominee and potentially the president. I found the, the prime minister's language to be a bit passive, so I want to play it for you guys and get your take on that. Uh, Canada-U.S. relations are fundamental uh, for the prosperity and well-being of Canadians. We know this is a, uh, an important election year for the U.S. So we'll be hearing shortly from uh, a panel of experts on uh, Canada-U.S. relations and uh, making sure that we're ready for uh, whatever Canadians, uh, whatever Americans decide in uh, in this coming November. Uh, we know there's uh, always challenges whenever there's an American election, uh, but as we have before, we're going to be ready uh, to deal with uh, whatever gets tossed at us and make sure we're defending Canadians' interests and uh, opportunities in this strong relationship. So on one hand, putting together a Team Canada engagement strategy, clearly, I would argue, as a result of the specter of a potential second uh, Trump presidency. On the other hand, again, what I heard as a bit passive in his language on the part of our prime minister. Start with you, Garotten, your general take on this. It's really, it's, it's, it's A, let me start by sharing my concern about the fact that there is a real possibility that um, Donald Trump uh, gets elected as president. And, and we have seen the chaotic and destabilizing nature in which he governed America and the impact that it had not just on America, but of course, as a global power across the world. 
So uh, I am nervous about that. And I think as Canadians, we should also recognize the trials and tribulations that could occur and most probably will occur with his election. That being said, uh, I think it's important that, you know, we, we definitely need a strategy to how to deal with uh, the um, with, uh, you know, this potential Trump government. And I'm what I'm most worried about is the importation of what we see is this really scary right extreme right wing rhetoric coming out of uh, Americans, specifically the GOP, and that being imported into Canada. It's a kind of politics that it, it really thrives on conspiracy theories, on hatred towards vulnerable communities, and ultimately not actually taking uh, action that empowers and uplifts people economically. It doesn't help workers. It doesn't strengthen healthcare systems. It doesn't help public education. Uh, it does, uh, uh, frankly, the the very opposite of that. So uh, I'm I'm nervous about that kind of politics, and I I really hope that uh, in Canada we we stand strong and we fight that kind of politics, especially the kind of politics that you know does anything uh, around taking away a woman's right to her bodily autonomy. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut it there, Sarjeet. When we come back, I'm going to uh, give you a chance to uh, to respond uh, to this particular issue. You're listening to Deb Hutton on the Rush. I'm joined by my smart speakers, Garatan Singh, VP at Crestview Strategy and Community Advocate and Lawyer, and Sarjeet Kaur, co-founder, KPW Communications. When we come back, as I said, we'll continue to discuss the specter of a Donald Trump presidency south of the border and its potential impact here in Canada. Stay with us. Welcome back. It's your guest host, Deb Hutton, with you on till six o'clock tonight. I'm back for the rest of the week between two and six every day. We're joined this afternoon by two of our smart speakers, Gratin Singh, who is the VP at Crestview Strategy, a community advocate and lawyer, and Sarjit Kaur, who is the co-founder of KPW Communications. When we took a break for traffic, we were talking about one of the announcements coming out of the federal cabinet retreat in Montreal, and that is for a, quote, Team Canada engagement strategy. Um, it is going to be co-led by a couple of federal ministers and Canada's ambassador to the United States, Kirsten Hillman. Of course, it is uh, to promote Canada's interest in what could be a second Donald Trump presidency. I didn't give uh, Sarjeet Kaur a chance to respond before the break. We ran out of time. So, Sarjeet, um, your general thoughts on the prime minister and his positioning vis-a-vis uh, the American elections? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, whenever there's a new presidential president, they have to do some groundwork, strategies, task force, initiatives. We love doing that in government. But he has a bit of the benefit of, uh, you know, we've been there, done that. So some of the alarm that maybe the first time around uh, in terms of how it would impact Canada, and granted it was a very tumultuous presidency, but policy-wise in terms of how it impacted Canada, um, I believe the two countries navigated that well. So I think he's just reiterating that uh, we will do that again and always look out for the best interests of Canada. Well, at the same time, I think if there is a, a need to stand up for values or push back some rhetoric, it will come later. It's not something that he would be wanting to do right now and kind of uh, starting off on a bad foot with someone that, like it or not, we will have to work with or potentially deal with. 
So this morning, uh, Ontario NDP leader Marit Stiles uh, was on more in the morning calling for another review into the Doug Ford government's decision initially to open up the Greenbelt for development. As we all know, that decision was reversed subsequently. The reason for the timing of this is that there has been a, a new email that surfaced through the Freedom of Information request process that the NDP obtained. It is an email between the former chief of staff to the Minister of Housing, both now resigned, the Minister and the Chief of Staff, uh, to the Premier's then Principal Secretary. They allege, uh, the NDP, that this is in direct contravention, um, uh, sorry, uh, contradiction of testimony given under oath to Ontario's Integrity Commissioner. Grattan, I think I know what you're going to say about this, but surprise me. Well, this, these are the facts, right? The facts are that we have the, uh, you have members of uh, Mr. Doug Ford's uh, office, his chief of staff and others who said they had no idea what this land, land swap on a specific date. And all, all three of these individuals, by coincidence, you know, they all, uh, you know, ag- agreed about uh, it was, you know, that this is a date in which uh, the conversation had not happened. And now we have proof that demonstrates the otherwise, that the premier's office, in fact, provided inaccurate, inaccurate testimony to the integrity officer under oath and that they actually had knowledge of this land swap prior to that date. This is really damning. And keep in mind that there's currently an RCMP investigation undergoing right now with the Doug Ford government. And all of this just, you know, they, they say, you know, when there's a, when you, when you, when you see these kind of issues mounting further and further, further, it just keeps on building to this narrative that there was corruption in this process and it meant to enrich in a handful of conservative donors and ultimately deprive the province of access or, uh, you know, protection of something so important like our green green belt. So it's problematic. Kudos to Mars Styles and NDP for continually doing this amazing work, unearthing these kind of documents and and really holding the government's feet to the fire. So I'm going to push back a little on your first assertion because there is no uh, evidence uh, either way to suggest that this email was read by the premier's then principal secretary that uh, that there was any knowledge on his part. What we have is an email he actually personally has released, but no sense that he actually did not uh, tell the truth under oath. No, but that, that that doesn't make sense at all. We have an email that has brings attention to the launch, la, the land swap. Yep. land swap that predates a statement that they said, oh, we had no knowledge of this. We had no knowledge of this uh, dealing at this date. Uh, and this is when we found out. But we have the exact contrary evidence being demonstrated right now and presented uh, vis-a-vis these emails being released. So, no, that that's not a, a correct assertion. If anything, it demonstrates further the, that this government is not being truthful and that there is actually, in fact, they had knowledge of this prior to when they said they they, in fact, under oath, said they did not. And that's problematic. OK. And and if true, I agree with you. I'm just I'm asserting that we have no evidence. And I don't know about your time in government, but I can tell you my time in government, the number of emails I got in any given day and actually didn't read were pretty substantial. Sarjeet Kaur, your, uh, your thought on this? Well, my thought is there's only one way to find out. And that's why it's good that these emails are being released. And I think there's a bit of a a culture that if somebody resigns or they lose their job, that's their punishment, that that's it. But that doesn't serve the public interest. It doesn't help us understand what really happened uh, and provide true consequences. 
and make sure it doesn't happen again and it doesn't stop it from happening in other areas. It's more of like because you got caught or because this blew up, you've stepped down. So I think a lot of people are interested still in knowing what exactly happened and there should be a deep dive into it and in other areas as well because it could be a pattern, it could be a type of work style. Um, you know, other governments have uh, gotten in trouble for deleting emails and all of that. So there, it could have been not read, but maybe, maybe obviously the overall picture here is something went very, very, very wrong. And I don't think because somebody resigned and their staff resigned that that should be the end of it. Um, I'm going well, to. I'm reading from the article right here. The yeah, article says an email through the NDP Freedom of Information Act request shows the premier's then principal secretary was was sent a list of criteria for removing land from the protected area on October 20 on October 17th information the opposition says contradicts testimony previously provided to the integrity commissioner so this is definitely demonstrating that they had contradictory evidence provided to the integrity commissioner this is the problem and this is definitely something that the government should be held to account towards. Okay. Simply making the point, there's no evidence the principal secretary received it, which is the the what is that issue here? I do want to move on, though, quickly uh, and, and stay with you, uh, Garotten, because the um, federal NDP are also convening a caucus meeting similar to the liberals, this time in the target area of Edmonton. Curious for your thoughts on that. It's an exciting time right now for the federal NDP. We've seen consistent polling showing the federal NDP either neck and neck with the Liberals or, uh, you know, just like around in a similar area. Uh, we know that there's really a lot of dissatisfaction towards the Liberal government and that progressive voters are looking for uh, someone that they can trust. And I think Jagmeet Singh and the NDP have demonstrated that voting for NDP results in things like dental care. And we're going to see millions of Canadians now being able to access a really vitally important form of health care. We're going to see legislation around pharmacare. You send new Democrats to Parliament, you send them to Ottawa, they're going to fight for you day and night. Uh, there's a lot of positive energy. As we know, we have that information around uh, the NDP being re election ready also from a funds perspective. And they are looking now to make sure that those target ridings are ready for uh, you know more NDP folks to get elected. And so I think it's there's a lot of energy, a lot of possibility, and more than anything, disaffected progressive voters can now see there's an alternative, and that alternative is Jigmeet Singh and the NDP. Apologize. I'm going to have to call it there, my friends. Gratin Singh, VP Crestview Strategy, Sarjeet Kaur, co-founder of KPW Communications. When we come back after the news, joined by Education Minister Stephen Lecce with exciting news about the curriculum. Or is it?